This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Lon Joseph, and our topic is guilt, shame, and blame, our, our great saboteurs. We are doing a pre-record today, as Rabbi Lon can't come um, onto my live show, but it's so nice to have you here, Rabbi Lon. And we haven't done this for a while, and I always enjoy having you with me here. Thank you, Sue. It's always such an honor. Thank you so much for inviting me back. And uh, I really love spending this time with you, and we get the opportunity to do it. And I'm extremely grateful for this honor and opportunity to spend with you. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. You know what? You and I seem to bounce ideas off each other, which is so nice. We were sitting outside, and eventually I said, no, no, keep that. I want to hear about it on radio. So here we are talking about guilt, shame, and blame. We have a few short YouTubes um, on on the subject um, and we're going to be ending with Rabbi Twersky on empathy, which we hope you'll enjoy. But I think one of the things we have to realize that we've always got a choice. And George Bernard Shaw said, life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. And I believe that that is the choice. Do you agree with that, Rabbi Alon? So I think I do. Our purpose, if we often ask ourselves, what is our purpose in this world? Our purpose is to look within ourselves, to develop ourselves, and to grow. That is our our life's mission, really, why we were created. Our sages teach us that our purpose in this world is, yes, to follow the Torah and to keep the commandments. But more than that is actually to work on ourselves, to develop ourselves, to create ourselves. That is That is the legacy that we leave behind when we leave this world. And that is our mission in this world. That is what our soul is striving for in this world. It's striving for to better myself. I wouldn't say striving for perfection because no one can be perfect, and we'll touch on that hopefully a bit later. But it is striving for continual improvement and development of oneself, looking within oneself, saying, how can I improve? How can I be a better person? What can I do today that I can grow and achieve greatness within myself? I want to be able to look at each day and say, today was a great day. I grew. I learned about myself. I'm not the same person who started the day. And we wake up in the morning, we say that same thing. Yesterday, I grew, and I look forward to developing myself even more today. I have opportunities to learn about myself, to learn about how I react to environments around me. And the more we can tune into that, the greater we will be able to become because we can learn from those experiences. So it is, it's about creating ourselves through all the experiences that we go through. And in those experiences, uh, you also, I'm sure, are, are talking about our connections with other people and how they often shape us and shape our, our feeling about ourselves. Uh, or maybe some people challenge us to grow. Other people actually just allow us to be in our own light and for a moment just enjoy that light um, and then grow forward from there. Um, but I think shame and blame and guilt often come into this subject as well of when we are searching for ourselves and trying to better ourselves. Those can definitely sabotage us. So we are very interesting as human beings. We're simple and complex at the same time. And it is true. We like to grow from the good experiences. We like to look at those experiences that motivate us and inspire us. But unfortunately, it's not always like that. On our road and on our journey of self-development and self-improvement, there are ups and downs. And it's about how we deal with those downs. When we get into a situation that maybe we expected more of ourselves or I expected more of other people around me, someone let me down or I let myself down, how do I deal with those emotions? That's where the real challenge of life comes in. That's when real growth can take us to those higher levels. We also say it's easy to grow when times are easy and when times are, are, are smooth sailing, but that's not always where our greatest growth will come from. Sometimes our greatest growth will come from the biggest challenges that we have to face. Now, our sages teach us that it's always easy to have faith when times are easy. But if you really want to know how strong your faith is, that is when things don't go the way you want it. When things don't turn out the way you expected them to, and now you're challenged, that is when you know what your level of faith is. Before that, it's easy. And I think the same thing is true with guilt and shame and, and, and our emotions that we have. They're all part of us. 
And we need to be in tune of those with our emotions. And when we feel guilt and we feel shame, it's always easy to blame others. It's always easy to put it on something external to me. But the real growth is when I'm able to look within myself and say, why do I feel this emotion? Where is this emotion coming from? What is the root cause? What I need to learn from this? And it's difficult. And it's not always easy to be able to do that assessment of oneself and of one's emotions. It does come with self-awareness. And, and I think that is one of our greatest challenges, to actually continuously search for our own trigger points to see what each event is actually meaning to us. Because so often someone can say an innocent remark or you can say an innocent remark and I might take it as a slight from you and think, what a cheek, you know, what does he mean by that? Whereas you're meaning it totally innocently. And um, or someone might suddenly think that you're being incredibly selfish about something when in actual fact, all you were doing was stating a true fact. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think often it's that it's, it's that reflective. We look at things around us and they trigger us. We have certain big red buttons inside of us that get triggered. And it is true. The more we know ourselves, the more we know what's going to trigger those buttons and the more we can develop ourselves. But if we don't know what's triggering those buttons, if we're not in tune with ourselves, then we're going to struggle a lot in life because of that, because we're just going to blame other people because we're not aware of what's really happening inside of us. And I think uh, as we're talking about guilt and shame, I think that's one of the things that often happens. Guilt and, and shame can be so destructive in an individual. They can really destroy a person. Those feelings of guilt in so many different areas um, have an ability to to cause a lot of harm emotionally, physically, psychologically, many different areas. Mm-hmm. But a guilt is something that's like that, and it's, and it's and it's interesting to try and understand where it comes from. What is the root cause of it? Why am I feeling these emotions? Why why do I feel so bad all of a sudden? What's what's caused that? And if we're not in tune with ourselves, it's, it's how we respond to those emotions that can be so dangerous. Absolutely. And, you know, I remember working with a, a, a young girl whose, whose father was an alcoholic, and she had taken a lot of the blame and the shame on herself. Because when he was in a, a – he was a, a good man. But when this addiction hit him and he was in a bad space, he took it out on his family really very drastically, especially this particular daughter. And she took it all on herself thinking that she was to blame, feeling that she was the bad child. What have I done wrong? And um, and in that, in unpacking with her, when she when she actually wanted to see why she was so stuck in her life she couldn't she couldn't move on with relationships with her work with anything every time she began to and people began to believe in her she sabotaged herself and when she began to unpack what was actually happening in her mind she began to see that most of the blame and the shame that she was carrying was shame and blame that was put onto her from a toxic childhood from behaviors there that had really harmed her, abusive behaviors, and made, but it was a false belief, which toxic shame often is. It's a false belief in something that we think we have done when it's actually something that other people have put on us. Yeah, and it's amazing how she took it so personally, and it was hers, and she owned it. And after that time, after that therapy with you, she now realizes, hold on a sec, whoa, that's not, it's not for me to take ownership of that. I, I had I'd misconstrued it. I'd, I'd taken ownership of something that wasn't mine. And that's where the healing can begin. And you can let go. We're now going to be listening to a very short YouTube. And uh, the different YouTubes we've got are uh, this one that's coming up now is Abraham Tversky, Rabbi Abraham Tversky on anger. The concept of anger, I think we have to uh, think about the phases of anger. There are three phases of anger. One is somebody provokes me. I feel angry, okay? I don't have any control over that. Then there's the phase of anger of how do I react to it, right? Do I walk away? Do I respond? Do I punch the guy in the face? Do I call him with some nasty name? That's my reaction to anger. And then the other thing is, okay, I didn't have any choice to being feeling angry when I was provoked. How long am I going to hold on to that anger? An hour? A day? 22 years? Right? 
So in order to keep things straight, I give these three phases three different names. The feeling of anger, I call anger. The reaction to anger, I call rage. And the hanging on to the anger is called resentment. Right? And then if you clarify it, I say, okay, I can do nothing about my feeling of anger other than perhaps take some things in perspective. Right? One of my father's teachings that helped me a great deal was that when somebody did something to my father which should have uh, provoked anger, my father would say, you know, what he did was so foolish. If he only knew how foolish it was what he did, eh, uh, he wouldn't have done it. So, you know, I feel sorry for that person for being such a fool. But if you feel sorry for a person, how can you be angry at him? You know, I feel pity for him. Pity and anger doesn't go together. Uh, but nevertheless, I can't control how I feel when provoked. But I certainly can control what my reaction is going to be. And finally, how long do I hang on to the resentments? My greatest lesson came from Alcoholics Anonymous, where somebody said, Harboring your resentment is allowing someone who you don't like to live inside your head without paying any rent. And I'm not that kind of a guy. I'm not a nice guy like that to let somebody else rent. So, uh, AA helped me get rid of resentments. Uh, reacting to anger took me a while, right? To uh, be able to control my rage. And then I had to realize that you know, this is part of my being human. Animals react with rage when, when provoked. Right? I, as a human being, am supposed to be above that. You know, I'm an orphan homo sapiens. So I learned how to control my anger. So uh, I think those are, if a person keeps those things in mind, right? and there's some people who feel guilty for feeling angry, right? especially at a parent. Right? You don't have a choice. Right? The feeling of anger is nothing to yourself. And if you don't have a choice, there's no reason to feel guilty about it. How you react? Oh. Now, my uh, uh, suggestion is keep an anger journal. Right? Here's what happened today. Right? Somebody did this or that, and here's how I did. Right? Then at night, you see, at the time that I'm provoked, my thinking isn't clear because I'm under pressure to, to respond. But at night, when I look over what happened during the daytime, and I say, did I handle that in the best way possible? Huh? Could I have done something better? And that becomes a lesson for the next time. Huh? So I think keeping a journal about anger and how we respond to it is an excellent way of learning. Because ultimately, if I am enraged, it doesn't hurt the other person as much as it hurts me. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. Okay, hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph. We're doing a pre-record and our subject is anger, resentment, blame and how these sabotage our lives. Rabbi, what did you think of what Rabbi Tversky had to say about anger there? I think he's an absolute genius. I don't I do think too. I can say much more, much more than what he said. But I think certain points that he, he, he said we can re-emphasize to help us deal with not only anger, but I think his points would apply to any emotion that we have. And he said sometimes we have to accept that we're human beings. It's okay to feel those emotions. Like he said, anger, you're not going to be able to control that you don't feel angry. Expect mm -hmm. that you're a human being. No one is beyond that. And he said even rage and blame. Yeah, and 100%. Mm -hmm. So we have to first... Be accepting of ourselves to let ourselves feel the emotions. It's okay to feel those emotions. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel rage. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel guilt. There, there's something that's causing me to feel that. And I've got to accept that. So it's but, not about self-punishment. No. And his point is, so now what do you do about that? So now you have felt this. Now... This is where choice comes into it, and he says that we can't always choose that we're going to, I'm going to feel angry, but how I respond to it is the most important aspect. And I think that for us is the key of our whole discussion today. How do I respond to those emotions? If a person feels guilt, do they beat themselves up because now they, because now they feel bad for feeling guilty? 
You know, so I feel guilt, so I beat myself up, and then I feel guilty for beating myself up. So it mm-hmm. just becomes, it spirals out of, out of control on that. So his, his points are that feel it, accept it, but then deal with it. How do you react? That's your choice. And his, his last point, I think he's so vital for us where he said about an anger journal. And I remember seeing something like this many years ago when I was in Yeshiva and it's all about understanding ourselves. And I think this is what he wants to emphasize. Understand what made, if, for example, he was talking about angry. What made you angry? What was it about that situation that pushed your button that made you react in that way? Look back and learn from it so that you can be better prepared. Mm. I think guilt, shame, blame, all those type of things, whenever we feel an emotion, there is something that has caused us to feel an emotion is a response to something. There is something inside of me that has caused me to feel that. And I've got to ask myself, what is it that caused that? And I learn about myself. I say, wow, I didn't realize that. That's so interesting. I didn't realize that that was a button of mine that was being pushed. And I learn about myself and I say, wow, okay, that's interesting. So I felt guilty because I did something wrong. What was it about that that made me feel that? And I say, wow, I didn't realize that maybe there was a certain aspect of my personality that's coming out over here. And the more of a journal we keep, the more we can learn about ourselves. The more we learn about ourselves, I look back over days and I can say, wow, I'm actually starting to see my personality. I'm starting to define who I am. And the guilt is because I often feel I've let myself down. I expected more of myself. Mm-hmm. Why did I expect more of myself? What was I expecting of myself? Why, where does that belief come from? Learning about that, writing it down, understanding it will give us such a way to learn and to go into the future. I have to agree with you there. My grandmother, when I was a very little girl, uh, since she bought me a diary, you know, one of those with, with a little lock. I mean, I'm a lot older than you, but in those days, we had yeah, a little lock. I still remember that. lock up. <laughs> and every night she encouraged me to write something. Many, many, many years later, uh, I was doing, uh, I was under hypnosis and something came up from when I was 10 years old. And the, the psychiatrist who was doing the hypnotherapy said, you know, what is that about? And I didn't know. And you know what? I unlocked my little diary, which I had kept all my diaries through the years. And I went back to that age to see what had caused me to feel exactly blame, guilt, shame then that I had been carrying for the, the next 50 years. And I was amazed to actually see that I'd written it down there. Wow. And it wasn't nearly as bad as, as, a, as wow. it was actually in my head that I'd carried for 50 incredible. years. Yeah. Incredible. Which was incredible. Now, you mentioned to me about in the Torah where, where Hashem first mentioned um, someone who was feeling guilty. You were talking about Cain and Abel. Yes. So, you know, it's an interesting thing. That the Torah doesn't shy away from highlighting people's mistakes. And we know that the Torah is very open about mistakes that people have made because the whole purpose of it is for us to learn from those mistakes. It doesn't portray individuals, uh, it's, it's great individuals we're talking about, but it doesn't hide their mistakes. No, it doesn't. It, it and doesn't sometimes they horrify you. Exactly. You know? And there is a reason for that. And our sages often highlight that we have to realize just like they made mistakes, it's okay to make mistakes. Learn from them. Learn from people before. Learn from the past. Realize we are human beings. We have emotions. And uh, I was sharing with you that we look at these emotions and we, you don't have to look very far. You go right back to the beginning of the Torah. And one of the first stories that we find right at the beginning of the story is between these two brothers, Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel. And they both wanted to serve God. They both wanted to bring a sacrifice to God. So they went and they chose of their different produce and their different field of profession. And they brought up sacrifices to God. And it says... That, that when, that when Hevel, when Abel brought his, he chose from the best of his flock and, and he brought it up and it says that Hashem turned to, to Hevel, to Abel and to his offering. And it says that to Cain, to Cain and his offering, Hashem didn't pay any attention to that. There was a, we're not going into the whole discussion, but what's interesting is Cain's reaction. It says that the Torah says that Cain ma'od v'yiplu panav that he was v'yichar uh, lakan he was extremely distressed and his face fell v'yiplu panav he his whole face like as as you mentioned to me became embarrassed he became probably, dejected probably blushed you know with yeah. red mm. he, he felt he felt absolutely dejected he felt I offered something up to God 
and God accepts my brothers but not mine? It was a massive level of rejection. So what's interesting is, is that Hashem's answer to him, it says, it says that Hashem says to Cain, to, to Cain, he says, he says, why, why are you so, why is your face fallen? Why are you so distressed? Why, why are you reacting like this? He says, surely if you do the right thing, if you fix it up, you, you can uplift yourself. And he says to him, you have a choice. Hmm. That, that's amazing. exactly what he says to him. And, and what happens after that is that he decides not. It says that he goes out into the field and he sees his brother and he kills him. And, and, uh, and, the, and the rest is choice. history. But, but Hashem says to him, God says to him, you have a choice. You, you did something. It didn't turn out the way you wanted. You're now feeling guilty, distressed. You now have a choice. But and you're your not choice, condemned forever. No. You have a so choice. Big. And oh. life is about the choices that we're going to be making about how we respond to situations around us. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph, and we are doing a pre-record on blame, resentment, guilt, and how these are our saboteurs in our lives. And we have just been speaking about um, Cain and Abel and, and the choices that even then Hashem actually showed that we have a choice to actually make a difference, to, to change ourselves or what whatever our behavior was. Now, Rabbi, let's look at the responsibility of, of guilt because I think that comes in very strongly there. That if there is guilt, we, we have the responsibility either to, to ignore it, in which case it goes in and it becomes stuck within us, or to actually move forward, uh, and, and look at it and take the responsibility for what we have done if we have done something that we feel we can change. So I think it's such a, it's such a vital point that. In, if we looked at that story that we mentioned, the whole turning point is that you have a choice. And I think in life it's the same thing. When when we feel guilt, where does it come from? What is its source? It's often I feel I've let myself down. And why have I let myself down? Is it because I believe that in the world I have to be perfect and I'm not perfect? And therefore I feel, well, if I can't be perfect, then, then there's no purpose to it. Mm-hmm. And, and our sages often talk about this feeling of guilt because... We have a choice. You see, guilt can either destroy someone because I can feel so guilty. I become depressed and I become so negative and I wallow in my guilt. Oh, I'm such a bad person. Oh, I'm a wicked person and I can't believe I did this. And it, and it just destroys us. It becomes so, it becomes soul destructive and it, and it just, and it, and it, and it can literally destroy a person. It can almost become addictive, you know, guilt like that. It, it really can. Especially Jewish guilt. You know, we don't have any shortage <laughs> of that in our, in our own lives. <laughs> you know, and we're, and we're born with this Jewish guilt. We get it all the time as kids from our parents so it's part of our nature yeah and now and now we've got to deal with this jewish guilt it's not so easy well you know i come from both sides yes. so on the other side there's also guilt believe you me it often comes in in other ways so i think what often happens in judaism is because there's such a high level expected of us that we're told that hashem god wants us to grow and to strive and to be and to be perfect that often when we feel within ourselves that we're not living up to that then what often happens is I think, oh, I'm a wicked person. I deserve what I'm getting. I deserve all of this. I'm absolutely, and we, and we start to destroy ourselves because we think that if I can't be perfect, then God's not going to love me. And, and, I, and, I, and we brand ourselves to be absolutely wicked. And sometimes if, uh, you know, it doesn't need to be God because if, if we're dealing with people who, who have a different belief, it's, other people are not going to forgive me. Yes. Other people will notice that I'm a bad person, that I'm, a, that, you know, they don't want me to be around that. So we brand ourselves in that way too, against other people's view of us. It very much, even in education, there's a woman, Carol, um, Carol Dweck, who's written a lot on mindsets. And, and she says, often praising a person's abilities can also be dangerous. You say to someone, oh, you're so brilliant at this, or you're so brilliant at that puts a certain mindset into that child that says to them, and if I can't do that, then I'm useless. Mm, If I can't live up to that, then I'm not worthy of that. And the only reason why you think that I'm like that is because I can do these things. And if I can't do those things, then you're not going to love me anymore. You're not going to think I'm great anymore. And she Mm -hmm. says, we have to be very careful how we praise. We have to praise 
not praising the outcome, but praising what the person has done. Wow, that, that was amazing effort you put into that. Praise the person. Look at who the person is. Be very careful, she says, about, about how we even praise. Because even within that, we can set unrealistic expectations. Because what we say and what the other person hears can sometimes be two very different concepts. And can cause a lot of confusion too. And not being able to live up to that expectation that, that they have put on you. Um, really does make you feel like a failure. I wonder a lot of suicides do not actually fall into that category. I would have to see the research behind mm, it, but possibly. Mm. Possibly. But we know certainly that if a person is in a negative space, we know how disastrous it can be for them, both emotionally, physically, psychologically. And, and, and we know that guilt is, is certainly one of those things where people feel so guilty. Oh, I can't believe I did this to that person, whatever it is. Those feelings are, can be very, very self-destructive. It's a person, a person who is feeling that way is already defeated in life. They've already mm -hmm. started to lose. And that, and I think that's even spiritually, as we start off by saying life is about growing spiritually. And those feelings can destroy my spiritual growth because I feel I'm not worthy of anything. I can't, I can't do anything. I've done so many things bad. How, how is God going to look at me? How are people going to, how am I even going to look at myself? And, that feeling actually becomes self, so so destructive that we go backwards instead of forwards. Mm -hmm. And that's where the toxic shame comes back in because the toxic shame is shame that actually stops you from moving forward because you're so hooked into it. You so believe other people's opinions of you, of, of, of what has been put onto you, what you've put onto yourself, that you, you, you're not prepared to let it go. You just hold on to it. Whereas normal guilt... You can learn from. You can say, oh, I did that. I feel bad about that. But let me see how next time I'll actually change my behavior. And I think this is a very big thing that we need to ch teach our children so that they don't become these entitled little people who feel that they're entitled to the world at their feet, but actually to realize that there are many things that they need to look at. It's not about feeling guilt as haves and have not. But actually recognizing that there is a time to actually feel a bit guilty too. Yeah, and that's exactly what Rabbi Tversky was saying. Feel the emotion. Mm. Accept the emotion. Realize where it's coming from. But then you have the choice of now what do you do with that. So you have felt the emotion. You've got it. Now you have a choice. Does it destroy you or does it build you? Mm. And that's the choice that we have with everything in life. We have to realize that within ourselves, we are the ones who decides how we're going to react to things. That is our choice. And uh, I'm sure that you've quoted many times on the show the famous Viktor Frankl on that, that life is all about the choices. It's not about the situations. It's not about the circumstances. And our emotions is the exact same thing. Even though it's something we feel, no one else, no, no one else knows we're feeling this. It's between ourselves. And we have to say to ourselves, I have a choice. I did something wrong. Okay. But that doesn't make me a bad person. I do lots of good things as well. I do. Okay. So I made a little mistake. Might have been a big mistake even. That's okay. We can learn from it. We can grow from it. The choice is ours how we move on. So it's either going to destroy me or it's going to build me. Yes, it might take time and we might need to speak to a lot of people about it, but it is still our choice. We cannot ignore our feelings and we should not ignore our feelings, but we should also be aware of ourselves and we should be aware of where it's coming from. Learn about it, understand it and have that internal discussion. Now, I do a lot of good things as well. Praise ourselves. We tend to become so negative and so hard on ourselves mm -hmm. that we don't actually even look at the good within us and we negate the good because we think the bad overrides that. And, and that even when people actually give you a compliment often, you know, someone might say, well, you know, that you, you're looking great, but you don't feel that you deserve that com that compliment. You know, so you'll see, you'll say to a woman, gee, I really like that jacket you've got on today. And she'll say, this whole thing, oh, I've had it for years. Meanwhile, she probably just bought it yesterday, you know, but it's, it's not actually allowing yourself to, to feel good about yourself even. 
you know. Yeah, it's so it's so amazing you mentioned. I was talking to a psychologist friends of mine. It's not someone who I see, but it's someone who I was chatting with. Uh-huh. Um, and he said the same thing. He said, you know, he deals with a lot of couples. And he said to me, he said, it's so interesting. He says, people today cannot even take compliments. Even in relationships, a husband and wife or, or people dating with each other, you know, they'll say, wow, you look so beautiful. No, I don't, you, you know, you think so. I don't know my hair, this. People don't know how to say, wow, thank you. And just accept it and say, wow, someone thinks I look good. It's not about me. It's about accepting that. And it is, we live in a world with so much negativity around us and we compare ourselves to so many things that we don't allow ourselves to feel good. We don't praise ourselves. We can't even take a simple compliment from someone without saying yes, but, mm, mm. And, and negating the compliment in such a negative way. Why can't we just say, wow, thank you. Thank I appreciate you. Yeah. that. That's, that's great to, you know, that you thought that way. And we should be doing that with ourselves as well. We should yes. be able to look at ourselves and say, wow, okay, I did that. But you know what? Today I actually did something good as well. I, I did this and I did that. Wow, I actually did so many good things. Don't look at the negative. You know, compare it. How many good things did you do today? Mm. And there's a lot. But we tend not to focus on that within ourselves. We tend to highlight the negative much more than the positive. And I think that's part of the world that we live in, and it's part of the dangers of the world because that destroys a person because we don't see that we are good people. We don't see that we are actually doing good things as well. Do you believe that social media, the Facebooks, the Twitter accounts, all of those have had um, an adverse um, reaction well, that the children Growing up today and adults, well, you know, I'm, I'm not just saying children, but are actually bombarded by anonymous uh, attacks at times, which do make them feel guilty and shameful. And I think it's even more than that. You know, I was I was I was thinking about this the other day. Strangely enough, I was I was having a chat with someone and he was telling me that he's on LinkedIn and um, we were just discussing it. And he was saying it's so interesting of how all these people are. I finished this course and I got this promotion and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And he says, you think to yourself, wow, I'm pretty useless. Everyone else is being promoted and achieving this course and that course. And I think it's the same thing on all social media. People are saying, yeah, I, I graduated my, my 15th degree cum laude with all my <laughs> others and they're in their robes. And you look at this and you think. Wow, I'm useless. Mm. I'm pathetic compared to that. So we judge ourselves against that. Hundred, and we don't see. Well, hold on a sec. Just because they've got that, I've also done amazing things. I've also achieved a lot in life. Mm. I've also done amazing things. But we, but we compare ourselves and we say, and all these people are just promoting themselves. And I'm not saying it's not. It's not good to promote. It's how we deal with it. You know, people want to promote themselves. That's great. But sometimes it can have such a negative effect on me because I feel I'm not like that. I haven't achieved all of that. Funny you should say that because just the other day I was listening to two women talking and they didn't realize that I was actually listening in. They were in the queue behind me and uh, they were talking and the one was saying what she had been doing and certainly she had just finished her degree and had done incredibly well and it was also, it was her second degree. And the other one said, oh, and all I've done is bring up my children. <laughs> and, you know, I wanted to turn around and say to her, that is the greatest degree that you could ever have. Have you brought them up well? Well done, you know. Um, but here she was feeling guilty because all she was was a housewife bringing up her children when this woman, I don't know if she even had children, to tell you the truth, because yeah. all she was talking about was the degree that she had just got. Yeah. So there you are. That's exactly what you're saying. We can compare ourselves. Yeah. Like and, yeah, and then we feel guilty. Oh, you know, I brought up my kids. I feel guilty because maybe I should have done something else with my mm-hmm. life. And we think it's not like that. Brene Brown says something quite amusing, actually, in one of her YouTube. She says um, she's decided that from now onwards, she's not going to say, I'll do that when I've lost three kilograms or I'll do that when, when I've earned a little bit more money or whatever. She's, she says she's going to start saying, I'll do it now. Yeah. Why wait? 100%. And again, I think it's that choice. That, that, you know, that's exactly what she's saying. We have a choice in life. We're going to feel different emotions. My choice and my challenge is how do I respond when I'm feeling that emotion? It's like change. People do not like change. Mm-hmm. People are very, and they will fight change. You know, but the only thing consistent in this world is change. And, and, and until we can accept that, it's a very difficult thing. 
But people don't realize change can actually be very positive. It can be very good, but I've got to be open to that. Again, it's a choice. Am I willing to go along with it and experience it, or am I going to fight against it? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing on my own personal level. Am I going to fight against my feelings, or am I going to embrace my feelings and grow from them? Life is full of those choices. Do you know, uh, it actually is just pushes something in my, uh, um, a memory. We had a cat once. We were living in Germiston, and we moved houses. And, you know, when you move houses, you cat, you got to lock a cat up for a while because otherwise they try and get back to their old house. Yes. And we some, somehow this cat was let out on, on the first day we moved. We had put it in another room, disappeared. Well, we searched and searched and searched for it <laughs> for a few days until eventually we did find it back at our old house. But it taught me a lesson also that unless we've got butter on our feet and we're stuck in a room <laughs> so that we can't <laughs> run away, sometimes we choose to remain stuck in that room because there's safety in that and we won't try and get back to our old habits or our old home or whatever like a cat would do. We can learn from a cat in that, you know, that as humans we don't actually need that. We have the choice to actually choose the path home or the path forward or the path backwards, wherever we want to go, left, right, forward. It's very, very beautiful, 100%. And I think that's where people realize or don't realize that as human beings, that that's what our purpose is in this world. We're going to change every single day. We're not the same person we were yesterday. I'm not this, I've been through different experiences. And until I can embrace that and learn from that and grow from that, I'm going to be stuck. But the moment I'm willing to accept it and move forward with it is the moment I start to experience true freedom from within myself and from myself to say, wow, this is what life is about. It's not always going to be easy, but the journey is going to be so worth it because I'm going to grow. I'm going to develop. I'm going to see amazing things within myself that I never realized were there before. Beautiful. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. I'm with Rabbi Alon Joseph, and we're doing a pre-record, and we're about to listen to a short uh, YouTuber, Brené Brown, on three things you can do to stop a shame spiral. And I think this is what we've just been talking about, how it can get out of hand and spiral into something else. So I love this question. You mentioned gremlin thinking. This is from Alison Smella. You mentioned gremlin thinking. What's the silent language to move that aside and step into authenticity? Good question. So men and women who had high levels of shame resilience, meaning they could totally acknowledge and move through shame without jeopardizing their authenticity, had four things in common. The first was they know what triggers shame for them. They know what the triggers are. Like for me, I know what the triggers are. I have stuff around motherhood and balancing work. I have stuff around appearance. Secondly, huge skill, you can reality check them. Three, you reach out and share your story. And four, you speak shame. So just to boil it down, it's three totally counterintuitive things. Talk to yourself like you talk to someone you love when you're feeling unworthy. How would I talk to Ellen and Charlie in a moment of unworthiness? Would I ever, I mean, I would say to myself, God, you're so stupid, Renee. What were you thinking? I would never talk to my kids that way. Talk to yourself like you talk to someone you love. Reach out to someone you trust and tell your story. Shame cannot survive being spoken. It needs three things to just absolutely grow exponentially. Yeah, that's why secrets really intensify the shame. And you're, you're as sick as your secrets because when you're ashamed, you keep it a secret. And that just sort of festers and ends up really overwhelming your life. The shame, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But when you release it, that's why all those years on the Oprah show, when people come on and share things that they never shared with anybody else, do you leave and you feel freer? You feel unburdened by some of it. Yes. Absolutely. It, that, the, what's, secrecy is one of the three things. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. Those are the three things shame needs to grow exponentially in our lives. The antidote, empathy. It cannot survive being spoken and being met with empathy. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. I'm back with Rabbi Alon Joseph. And you've just been listening to YouTube, on, which was on Oprah's uh, show with Brene Brown. And she was talking about uh, the shame we feel and, and how to actually um, 
talk about it. But I think you've got to be very careful who you choose to speak to about it because certain people will actually use it against you, even not openly sometimes, but in a in an underhand way. Do you I think agree? It come, yeah, I think it's about trusting the people around you. Make mm. sure that you've got very – if you're going to share something with someone, make sure that you – Trust them very, very well that it does not come back and bite you. <laughs> and I think what you're saying is very true because you don't go into your book club, for instance, or and, and sprout forth your shame because there are many people there who, who will actually really enjoy hearing about it. But and they not will, uh, do, yeah. enjoy telling other people and about it too. And then gossip about it afterwards. <laughs> I think if you've got one or two people that you can share your story with, if you're feeling guilty or in pain or shame or whatever, that's enough. What, yeah. Do you agree? So I do. I think I think it's I think we need to be able to talk to people. I think it's important. As they said, bottling it up inside isn't always going to help. No. Um, but sometimes what I loved about and I've often said it. I didn't know she said it, but I've often said it myself in my trainings and things like that. Such a powerful point. We also need to learn to how to talk to ourselves. And I think that's such a you know. She said it in a, in a really beautiful way that you wouldn't talk to other people the way we talk to ourselves. Uh, I often say to people, if someone insulted you, how would you feel? You know, if someone said, I don't know, you're stupid or you can't do this, you, you would look at them and, and you would you'd be horrified. Yet we talk to ourselves like that all the time. I insult, oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did that. And it's okay for me to insult myself, but it's not okay for other people to insult me. And so we, we are our own worst critic. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's part of, I think we need to learn how to talk to ourselves better. Before we can talk to others, it's also our self-talk. Am I, am I, am I positive to myself or am I more negative to myself? What's actually happening in my mind? If I had to have a scale, is it more positive or negative? Are the voices in my head? What are they telling me mm -hmm. all the time? Mm -hmm. Are they building me or are they destroying me? And, and does, where do those voices come from? Exactly. And as much as we talk to other people and to share it with other people and to get guidance from other people, which is very, very important, we also need to learn to talk to ourselves in a better way. We need to learn to be more open with ourselves. We need to be more accepting of ourselves and realize I don't have to be perfect. It's okay. I'm on a journey. I'm on a path. We need to talk to ourselves in a much – it's always – People who are going through good patches in life find that easy. It's when we go through the bad patches that we need to have that talk more than ever. We need, just like we need people around us to motivate us and inspire us. If I can't do that within myself and I can't inspire and motivate myself, no matter how hard it might be, I'm going to fail. Because that self-talk needs to be so powerful. And I need to just sometimes listen to that self-talk and say, if someone had to say that to me, how would I feel? I would reject it. I would tell them, you can't talk like that to me. You can't say those things about me. You know nothing about me. Yet, I talk to myself in sometimes the same or even worse, in more defamatory ways, I will insult myself and put myself there. And what consequence does that have on me? How is that going to be of any benefit to me moving forward? That is so true, you know, and as you, as you talking, it's conjuring up an image in my mind of walking along with your shadow be beside you. Sometimes your shadow is slightly behind you, or sometimes it's beside you, and sometimes you look as though you're dragging it along. And here, what you're saying is sometimes we do drag ourselves along. We're not gentle with our shadow and our, or ourselves, and sometimes it is our shadow self. Yeah. That we need to be most gentle with. Especially if I'm feeling down or depressed or guilty about something. It's just, it's going to perpetuate that. I'm going to, it's going to get bigger and it's going to, and you know, that, and that drag's going to be even harder. Mm. It's like walking mm. into the wind. It's going to be much harder. So especially in those times is where I need to realize that that's where I need the most positive um, influence, whether it's people around me, but more within me. Mm. It needs to be there more than ever, especially when times are hard within myself, especially when I'm feeling those negative emotions for whatever reason. And I must talk to other people about it, but I also have to sit down and have a serious conversation with myself and say, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I insulting myself? Okay, things might not be easy at the moment. That's okay. Things might be very difficult at the moment. As, as we said at the beginning with Rabbi Tversky, accept the feelings, own the feelings, but realize it's your choice how you're going to respond to those feelings. You might not be able to change the situation, but as he said, as his father taught him, you can change your reaction. You can reframe 
your reaction. You can reframe how you're viewing the situation around you. You can reframe your experiences. Correct. And look at them with, with softer eyes, you know, uh, with not such harsh vision. As you said, we are our worst critics sometimes, mm-hmm. but we need to become our biggest fan. What do you think about collective guilt? You know, I know that uh, uh, Viktor Frankl definitely says there's no such thing as collective guilt. And um, and if you actually look at the world today and you turn on CNN or Al Jazeera or whatever, you know, entire nations are being collectively uh, blamed, often the Jewish nation, unfortunately, <laughs> and Israel. But uh, it's it's this collective guilt. It's It's just too shocking. So, you know, there's different levels of collective guilt. We do have in Judaism a concept of that. One person does something wrong and the whole nation gets punished. You find many times in the Torah, one person can do one thing wrong and the whole nation gets punished for it. Mm-hmm. There's different types of collective guilt, but we have to realize what is the, the source of that collective guilt. From a Judaism perspective, it's so beautiful. Our sages tell us that we are responsible for each other. We are there to help each other. And when we don't, we have that collective guilt. We have that collective saying, I'm not only here for me. It's not only about my life. It's not only about, about being that narcissist and saying it's not about, no, Judaism says no. The whole nation is responsible for each other. You are all one part of nation. You're all on the same journey as a nation. And I expect on a national level, I expect certain things from you. So it depends on the, we do tend in the world today, we tend to generalize. And we tend to categorize people and we tend to stereotype people. And we tend to blame people because of that. So we have to be very careful. There is a concept of collective guilt because we are responsible for other people around us. And we, and that's, and it's a very big lesson for us realizing, wait, it's like, you know, I often use the analogy of a puzzle. And it's a very, each piece is significant. Each piece is amazing. But you wouldn't frame a puzzle that's missing a piece. Mm. And therefore, every piece in the puzzle is important. One piece is not more important or less important. Every piece is needed. And that. when you frame it, you get the most beautiful picture. And I think that, that's what it's about, realizing I'm on my own journey. I've got, to, I've got to develop, but it's not at the cost of the other pieces around me. I've got to look and say, how can I help the pieces around me? How can I help the world around me? What can I do for the world? Just like there's collective guilt, there's also collective responsibility. I can do positive things as well. We can create a very positive movement like that. We can change the world as much as we have collective guilt. We can change the world in a positive way as well by all uplifting each other and being very positive with each other. So, again, it's that choice. Wonderful. I love that. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson with Rabbi Alon Joseph. We've been doing a pre-record and we're almost finished. At the end of this program, you're going to be listening to Rabbi Tversky talking about empathy. But first of all, we would like to just discuss briefly the curiosity switch and the pause button. And imagine that if we all have a pause button, do we not also have a curiosity switch? Is it not possible to move from a consciousness of judgment to an awareness of curiosity. Do you think it is? We can then use this curiosity uh, switch for ourselves and for others so we can push it and say, well, what's actually happening here? This is quite fascinating. Yeah, I think it's that same thing as we said before about life. Am I curious about myself? Uh, How many times do we put ourselves in situations so that we can see how we're going to respond and and learn from them? Am I curious? When I have a curiosity about myself, I'm happy to explore and to experiment because I want to learn. It's like, wow, I learned something new about myself. I didn't know I responded to that type of person. I didn't know that that type of person pushes my buttons in this type of way. That's amazing. When we are curious about who we are. Then we have an ability to learn and to grow. And we said that's our journey in this world. We should be curious about ourselves. I remember that Rabbi Tversky often spoke about as well that we have the safety net. We like to keep ourselves very warm, like a well-padded room. But that's not what life's about. No, we have to come out of that room sometime. Exactly. We we should be curious about ourselves because that's how I'm going to learn about myself. Why did I respond? So as he said about keeping that journal, why did I respond in this way? Why did I respond in in that way? Our sages teach us that the whole purpose of this world is growth. Mm -hmm. And 
our neshama, our soul is made up of positives and negatives. And I'm in this world to fix up those areas which I can improve on. But if I'm not aware of them, sometimes we don't like to look at it because we think that those negative parts to us are so bad. I shouldn't have that. Mm. I should be perfect. I'm not allowed to have any negative sides to me. I'm not allowed to be angry. I'm not allowed to feel frustrated. I'm not allowed to make mistakes. And when we do, we feel, no, 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 that's terrible. And I feel that tremendous spiritual guilt, as we call it. And our sages tell us that's not true. In fact, it's just the opposite. The guilt is there to show us to, in, to, it's there to motivate us to say, well, I'm feeling guilt because I expected more of myself. Isn't that an interesting way of looking at it? Wow. I'm feeling guilty because I'm learning about myself that this is, this is upsetting me. And when I'm being upset is an opportunity for growth to say, why is it upsetting me? Learn about it. Develop that attitude of curiosity about ourselves, like an onion peeling off layer after layer. Mm. The more I can peel of myself, the greater I'm going to get. Um, in tune with myself, the more I'm going to understand myself and what makes me tick and what upsets me and what doesn't upset me, the more I can do that, the more I'm going to grow, the more I'm going to develop. And the less judgmental you'll be on yourself, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the self-critic will begin to actually be controlled because I think uh, uh, being self-judgmental, you could say, oh, I'm so stupid, whereas the self-awareness will stop you and say, well, what motivated me to do that? Agree. In the first place, you know, so that you, you stop and you question yourself, why did I actually do that? I'm going to have to wrap up. Rabbi Alon, it's been such a pleasure having you on my program with me. Thank you so much for being here. And hopefully we can do this again soon because we've both got a lot still <laughs> to talk about. We do. It's always such an honor and, and a pleasure. And I love spending. I can't believe it's been an hour I already. I love spending. I love the discussions. I love the energy. If the people could feel the energy in the room, it is, it's, it's, it's incredible. And I uh, am really humbled and incredibly grateful to spend this time with you. Thank you so much. I feel the same way. And for Vusi to be sharing this space with us, thank you, Vusi, for doing the pre-record. We're now going to be listening to Rabbi Tversky on empathy. Thank you so much, Rabbi Alon. Empathy is a term which has to be understood because some people feel they can confuse between empathy and sympathy. Uh, feeling for somebody else does not mean justifying the other person. But empathy means being able to see things from the other person's perspective. Right? And my mother used to refer to this as the holy altadin. Altadin is the phrase in uh, the Ethics of the Fathers, do not judge another person till you've been in his place. My mother always used to say that's the holy altadin. No, never judge another person until you don't know what the person is going through. Uh, there's an interesting story that my father used to tell about one of our great uncles who was a Hasidic Rebbe. And uh, his uh, followers, his Hasidim, used to come in and tell him their problems. Uh, and so one morning he was sitting and receiving all of his supplicants. And later on his aide noticed that his clothes were drenched with perspiration. And he said to him, why were you sweating so profusely? You weren't exerting yourself. He says, I wasn't exerting myself? He says, do you realize when somebody comes and tells me a problem, in order for me to help him, I have to feel that problem. I have to take off my clothes and put on his clothes. Oh, now I feel his problem. But then I can't help him because I'm too subjective. So in order to become objective again, I have to take off his clothes and put my clothes on again. I've been sitting here all morning putting on my clothes, taking off my clothes, putting on my clothes, taking off my clothes, and I haven't been exerting myself. Right? Empathy means being able to put on somebody else's clothes. Right? And it's important in every relationship. It's important between parents and children. Right? Parents operate with an adult mind, right? have no way of knowing what does the child feel like. And to be able to empathize with a child right, is extremely important in parenting.